So we are in our series in the book of Acts. And we had a start two weeks ago before our missionary came, which was amazing. It was amazing to spend time with her. But we are now getting back into the series in the book of Acts about the work of the Holy Spirit. So in, in truth today, we're going to be looking at this very specific idea of the baptism of the Spirit that's found in our text today. And many of you who have been reading River Dwellers have already read a chapter on the baptism of the Spirit. I know many of you are reading that book because I bought like 80 books and they're all gone. And I, and I look around and I think most of you are in the small groups, which is really amazing. But we're going to be talking about this very specific concept. I just want to say it's been a good week for baptism in my life. I got to baptize someone from this church this week in their swimming pool before they closed up for the winter. So we had an amazing baptism celebration. And it was really fun and real, a real huge blessing. Uh, yesterday... Me and my dad were working on installing a water softener in my house, and we were in the basement, and we, we got all the PEX pipes together, everything clamped together. I turned on the water, and we got baptized by sprinkling, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> which is now the Protestant way. You know, we, we like to do baptism by immersion when we can, but this was a baptism by sprinkling because I forgot to turn a, a certain valve off upstairs, so the house is drying. But it's been a good week for baptism, I think. Uh, <laughs> As we get into the scripture, I just want to open up in prayer and just surrender this to, to the Holy Spirit and his work. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this, for this time that we are gathered as your body. I thank you for the testimony and encouragement we've, re, we've heard. I thank you for, for Aaron and the dedication. I just pray today that your word would go forth in power and that we would hear from you and that we would expect from you uh, what you want to give us and we would believe and trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. So last time we talked about everything that came before the book of Acts, and we even touched on the book of Acts a little bit, but we, we heard about Jesus' last days on earth in the end of Luke 24. And what Jesus said at the end of Luke 24 was, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So this is the last thing that Jesus shared with his disciples. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. Go to the city and wait for it. Wait till you're clothed with the power from on high. And then Jesus uh, ascended into heaven. And then we pick it up in Acts 1, 1 to 8. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Acts 1, 1 to 8. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. And here it is again. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So now the gift is identified as the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. The thing that is so interesting to me about this passage is, of course, in Acts 1, 
where it says this phrase, in my former book, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. That's fascinating because Jesus had just begun to do things and teach things during his earthly ministry, but they, it was somehow going to continue. But then Jesus left. And so that's, that's fascinating. Luke is very careful with his words. He says, in my former book, I told you about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, implying there's something more to come. And then uh, what it says is the Holy Spirit descends on the people. So the amazing thing about uh, this statement is that this is the sequel to Jesus' life. This is the kingdom of God coming to earth. The Holy Spirit is Jesus himself, Jesus' spirit, coming to indwell believers. And through the Spirit's work in believers' lives, Jesus will continue to do and teach in the world that we live in right now. In fact, uh, the not only in the book of Acts, but, but now in our present day and throughout human history from the time that Jesus ascended to the time when Jesus will come back and the end of the age comes, Jesus is continuing to do things and teach things in this world through the people that are filled with his Holy Spirit. It's a really fascinating and inspiring thought that Jesus is going to do this. He, he wants to fill each believer with himself and then do his works through them for the world. So this is the Acts of Jesus, part two. I want to read from Ephesians 3, 16 to 19. And this is a passage that, that speaks about the work of the Spirit in our lives. He says, I pray that out of God's glorious riches, that God may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner, be- inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love which surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled to all the measure of all the fullness of God. Filled to all the measure of the fullness of God is how it's describing this idea of being filled with the Spirit. That's an amazing scripture. That's an amazing scripture. And this is very much this idea of being filled to all the fullness of God, it's saying it's for, for all believers. Paul is actually praying for all believers in this section that they would have this experience of being filled to all the measure of the fullness of God. And this brings me back to Acts 1, where it says in verse 4, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This word... Baptized comes from, from the Greek word baptismo, which means immersed. It can mean to wash. It can mean to initiate someone. But in the context of this passage, talking about power, what it means is to cause someone to have a highly significant religious experience, meaning an experience of all the fullness of God, like we read about in three, Ephesians three sixteen to 19. This baptism of the Spirit is meant to be a powerful immersion in God that uh, allows us to be filled to all the measure and fullness of God. I wanted to share a little bit of my own story with you as I've journeyed on this, on this walk with God. I came to Christ when I was 17, and it was a very significant experience for me when I came to Christ because I was feeling very much in a dark place, very much weighed down uh, in my life, borderline depressed, uh, feeling, feeling that I couldn't come to God. And, uh, and then one day I heard the gospel, the, the real full gospel about Jesus Christ 
paying for my sins and making a way to the Father for me to come to the Father. And I'm telling you, I, I might have heard that message before, but I had never experienced it before. And the Holy Spirit impressed that on me and just broke through all of those layers of junk that were keeping me from God in such a profound way. And, and, uh, and that very day, I felt God calling me to be in ministry. I felt God calling me to be in ministry. I felt enlightened, empowered. Uh, it was something that was amazing. Uh, I, I, I feel like at that moment, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. It was an experience of God's love and his grace. There was no, there was no doubts. There was nothing that was holding me back. Everything that, that had been holding me and, and binding me up just melted away in that experience with God. And so that was, that was an amazing thing. But, uh, but I also, from that day forward, began to you know, feel ever more hungry for more of God. Even though I'd been filled with the Spirit at that time, you know, I felt very hungry for God, and I was very envious of other people's relationship with God because other people around me seemed, were talking about hearing from God, you know, all these different kinds of things in very specific ways, and I felt somehow like a second-hand citizen because I wasn't experiencing these things at that time. So it launched me into the season of praying and seeking God again. And uh, I, I remember very clearly... I'd stay up all night. This is before I had kids, you know. <laughs> and before I was married, I was, you know, 19 years old. I'd stay up at night, and I'd just pray and seek God on my knees. Lord God, you know, fill me, speak to me. And I felt like nothing's happening. What's, you know, what's wrong with me? Uh, so I, but I just kept seeking after God, though I was a little bit discouraged. And then uh, around the time when I was 20, 21 years old, uh, I went... Uh, I, I got back from work, and I was living at my parents' house at the time. It was a very difficult job working in warehousing. I was exhausted. And I just went into a room in my parents' house and laid down to sleep. And, uh, and, I, and I was pr- just kind of praying with, with my last breath of being awake, God, just speak to me, you know, visit me, be, be near me. And... It's an experience I couldn't really um, explain, but, and I couldn't really tell, am I sleeping? Am I awake? Is this a vision of some kind? But it was like a wind entered the room, and I felt the weight of the presence of God. It's like that feeling when you fall and like, get the wind knocked out of you. You know, I fell off, I, when I was a kid, I used to, me and my friend, who was a troublemaker, we used to sled off of a roof, and when there was a, a big snowstorm, you know, the snow was like all the way up to the roof because we live in the Northeast. And uh, so we, we, there was one part where the snow was, and then the other side, there was like a four-foot drop. So we'd, we'd always aim for the part where the snow was. But, you know, this one day we missed, and I, I landed on my back. It fell just like, you know, it was like, like that, like being pressed down. And that's what it was like. I mean, it wasn't a bad experience, but it was like I was being pressed down by God and given this extra blessing from God. This is the second time that I can say that God really met me in a powerful way after, after a season of seeking him with, you know, I felt like no success. <laughs> but God really, like, met me in a very powerful way. And I noticed in my life that uh, some things that I was doing got, were, like, better. I, I, I was in community college. There was no Christian fellowship on campus. And so I really felt like God wanted me to start a Christian fellowship. But there was a lot of difficulty in getting that started. It was hard to get the administration behind it. It being, you know, a Christian club, whatever, seems kind of narrow to people. So I jumped through all the hoops, got the club started, and uh, 
with all that opposition and everything, we, we had worship, we had, we were reading through the Bible, and I'm telling you, I, I, the reason I encourage you people to lead small groups and to lead Bible studies, even if you feel like you know nothing, is because when I led my Bible study in college, I knew nothing. I'd never read the book of Philippians before, but I was leading a Bible study through the book of Philippians, just doing it because I thought God wanted me to. So I'm reading through Philippians with this group, this group of like five people that were my startup group, and, uh, and I'd never read that before. So it was a really interesting experience. But the really amazing thing about this group, which is very supernatural because I can't explain it any other way, is this group grew to be like 40 people. It was a huge, huge ministry at the school. And it was still going last time I checked uh, at the school. And I ended up going to the banquet of clubs on campus. And I was called up for an award. And it's on my, it's on my office wall of like Aurora Christian Fellowship is the club of the year for this college. And I thought, this is amazing. Like God really like took that and like multiplied it in an amazing way. And, and I really attribute that success not to me, because let's face it, I hadn't read the Bible before. <laughs> I like new bits and pieces here and there, you know? Genesis and Revelation, you know, like most people. The beginning and the end and none of the stuff in between. So... Here I am, leading a Bible study through a book I'd never read, um, the Philippians, and we get Club of the Year, and I just feel like that was the power of God. And that was, a, that was something that was a very profound, a profound thing for me, that after that time of being filled and seeking God, things got more fruitful. Uh, and it reminds me of this passage, wait for the gift my Father will give. Wait till you're clothed with power from on high. Another time that I was seeking the Lord was when I was in seminary. So at this point, I'm training to be a pastor. It's 2011, and I am driving to and from college two hours and 45 minutes each way. And yeah, it was before I had kids. I had Jackie. She, she was really a great support to me. She was so cool um, just to support me through that time. And then we, we ended up getting pregnant with Olivia in, in the, as I started seminary. So if, if it was now, it'd be over. Um, it wouldn't have worked out, probably. But I was seeking the Lord uh, to and from school because I'm driving, and that's really good for me. I'm the type of person, like, I feel bad for you people sitting through a sermon. You know, it's so hard. I, I like to move around. And so having something to focus on while praying is really good for my soul. Fishing, driving, anything. Something to, to get me, it helps me to pray. So I'm praying, I'm praying, seeking the Lord. I turn on my street, and Jackie was not in town at the time. But I, I just became overcome with the love of the Father. And I just, I just pulled over my car. I called Pastor Mark, and he didn't know what was going on. He's like, I'm like, oh, this is a great thing God's doing. And I'm just like going, I'm like gushing about what God's doing. And he's like, oh, that's great. That's awesome. I'm like, yeah, we just got to pray. We got to, you know, and he was probably like, you know, watching television, gets a call, hey, what's up? And then this person's like very emotional on the other end. But, you know, it, it was, uh, he encouraged me a lot, Pastor, Pastor Mark. But it was, it was this third time where I felt, felt like God just filled me with his love. And, and it reminds me of this Acts passage. Uh, a lot of people, you know, you, you read a story like this and, and you're, you're tempted to say, uh, or a lot of theologians are tempted to, tempted to say, this is history. You know, this is something that happened. It was necessary for the beginning of the church, but it's no longer needful in the same way that it is now. That's what people say. Uh, the filling and empowering of the Holy Spirit is what I'm talking about here. 
It's, it was needful for the beginning of the church, but it's not needful for now. But the problem with that is that throughout the book of Acts, people just have more and more encounters with the Holy Spirit, one after the other. They're seeking God. And you'll see this when we get into it. And they, they seek God, and then the Spirit comes upon them in power, and then they're more bold, and they're witnessing more powerfully, and all kinds of amazing things happen. But it happens, it's modeled that it's not a one-time event, but something that happens over and over and over again. Uh, before the disciples received the gift of the Father at Pentecost, Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Spirit. So the point is, this filling of the Holy Spirit that's talked about right here in the book of Acts, the baptism of the Spirit, I believe 100% with all my, every fiber of my being, with all of my experience, that it is, it is to be something that we seek after as believers, continually. I think we need to, I, th- I think that when, when everyone becomes saved, Ephesians says, we receive a down payment guaranteeing our inheritance. So we all have the Holy Spirit. We all have the Holy Spirit. Uh, some of us are even filled with the Holy Spirit when we become saved, like in an overwhelming, big, crazy way, like I was when I, when I became a, a Christian. But um, no matter how your journey takes you or what experiences you have, there's always more that God wants to pour out. There's always more of God. There's always more of the Spirit. And there's always more empowerment for the ministry that we're in. You know, we often feel very powerless. And the disciples, they were powerless. They were, they were not very impressive. But when the Spirit came upon them, it was pretty awesome. <laughs> God was doing uh, amazing work. And the book, the book we've, we've been reading through River Dwellers talks about these, these uh, experiences or these fruits and evidences of the filling of the Spirit. Bold witness. Power. Healing, the power of God's love and prophecy, which is just a word from God spoken to you. Um, so these are, the, these are the things we're talking about when we talk about the baptism of the Spirit. So first, I think we just need to expect that God wants to pour His Spirit on all people, as the Bible says, on men and women, on, on children. We should pray for our children that they would be filled with the Spirit from a young age. That's what me and Jackie pray over our kids, that they would be filled with the Spirit from a young age. Uh, that we would be filled with the Spirit and empowered for what God is calling us to do. Because God wants to, in these days that we live in, God wants to pour out His Spirit on all people. He wants to pour out His Spirit on all people. So, uh, verse 4. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with fire. That's pretty cool. I read an amazing testimony of a man named Charles Finney. And, and if you read the book, you've, you've read this already. He was uh, seeking God because he was, he was in ministry. He was, he was a preacher uh, working, doing the work of the ministry. But he felt like it had really dried up for him. So he began to seek the Lord. And he wrote this. I received a mighty baptism of the Holy Spirit without any expectation of it, without ever having thought in my mind that there was such a thing for me, without any memory of ever hearing the thing mentioned by any person in the world, the Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves of liquid love, which is a very strange thing to say, but he's beyond, he's not able to describe this scene with with, uh, normal language. For I could not express it in any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. I can remember distinctly that it seemed to fan me like immense wings. No other words can express the wonderful love that was spread abroad in my heart. I wept aloud with joy and love. 
I literally bellowed out the unspeakable overflow of my heart. These waves came over me and over me until I remember crying out. I shall die if these waves continue to pass over me. I said, Lord, I can't bear it anymore. Yet I had no fear of death. Another, another uh, very famous preacher, D.L. Moody, he was, he, was, he was experiencing a time when his preaching wasn't very powerful. And uh, so he went into seeking the Lord. He said this, Oh, what a day. I can't describe it. I seldom refer to it. It's almost too sacred an experience to name. I can only say God revealed himself to me. I had such an experience of his love that I had to ask him to stay his hand. And after this, I went to preaching again. The sermons were no different. I didn't present any, any new truth, yet hundreds were converted. I would not now be placed where I was before that blessed experience if you should give me all the world. I personally don't think that church is very exciting unless God shows up. I really don't. Um, more talented public speakers, more talented musicians on the worship team, and ent- entertainment, whatever it might be, it's just not interesting to me unless God is really here. And he is. And God is not only here, because when two or more are gathered in Jesus' name, he is with them. He's not only here, but he is manifesting himself through the church. That's God's will. It says that God made Jesus head over everything for the church, which is his glory, the glory of him who fills everything in every way. Jesus, uh, God has given all the resources of heaven for the church. So Jesus is here present with us by his spirit, and God, and God has given all of the resources of heaven so that the church can be equipped. Um, I'm not interested in coming to church unless we are seeking after more from the Holy Spirit together. Because that's where the power is. That's where the power is. That's where the power comes for us uh, to, to overcome in our lives, to share the gospel boldly with our neighbors, to see people come to Christ. Uh, that's where the power comes for healing. That's where the power comes for breaking through those walls of darkness in, in our souls and, and experiencing the love of Jesus Christ. That's where the power comes from. Without the power of God through the Holy Spirit, we're just kind of, we're stuck. And so I, my question for, for all of us today is, are we satisfied with our current level of Holy Spirit at our church? As in, are we satisfied with what we have as individuals and looking back fondly on our past experiences, are we satisfied with, with what we have or do we want more? Because I believe that in this season at the church, God is saying, I have more for you. I have more for you. Even, I, I, I want to say, even if you feel that it's the end of the line for you that you, there's no more you can receive from God. There's more. And God has a reason to receive every person that comes to him. No matter where they're at in their life, no matter what sins they're embroiled in, no matter where they've wandered, God has a reason to receive every person, and that is Jesus Christ. And he doesn't need another reason. He doesn't need another reason. He doesn't need another reason to receive a person that comes to him, but Jesus Christ. God wrote in his word, Luke 11, 11 to 13, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It's God's desire to give the Holy Spirit to his kids. And um, compared to God, we are evil parents, but we give our kids what they need to survive. 
you know, and more. But God is, he's the perfect parent. And he desires to give the spirit to all who ask him. And he doesn't need another reason to give it to you than the fact that Jesus made the way for you. Um, There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. There's no barrier that's insurmountable. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ. There's nothing that can hinder you seeking him. So this morning, I just ask you that question. Are you satisfied with your current level of God in your life? And every good Christian will say, no, you know, of course not. But really, do you feel the hunger for more of God? Do you hunger and thirst for God? Or do you look fondly on your past experiences with God and feel like you're good? Because I think that we need to collectively get more hungry for God, more hungry for him in worship, more hungry for him uh, in, in, in the preaching of the word, more hungry for him in our outreach events, more hungry for him in, in our families, in everything that we do. We need to be hunger and thirst after God, and he promises to give the spirit to those who seek him. Uh, that's what I want for this church. That's what I want for each person that goes here. The worship team is going to come forward. They're going to play some closing music for us to worship to. And I, I, what I want to do is, if you want more of God in your life, I just want you to, to present yourself to God this morning. If you want more of the Holy Spirit, um, I would just challenge you to stand up and come forward. And I'm going to be standing up here because, to tell you the truth, I really need more of the Holy Spirit. Um, I'm, I'm the senior pastor of this church. I can feel the need for more of God more than ever in my life. Um, I need more of him. And so I'm standing in the front here, and you're welcome to join me if you want to pray for more of God. And that's it. And uh, if God's not speaking that to you, that's fine. And you, can, and you can make your way to the lobby. But we're going to spend a few minutes just here praying together and asking God for more because we just don't ask. We have not because we ask not, right? So if you want to join me, Here we are. God, you can see us here standing before you. And we are not closer to you for standing here, for we know you are everywhere, but we are standing to show you that we want more as a church. We don't want to just go to church. We want to be the church. We want to be the body of Christ. So fill us with your Holy Spirit, clothe us with power from on high, and let us not give up seeking you and and resting on our past experiences, but let us take the provision you have for us this day and every day. Um, Help us to find more ways to seek you in our personal lives and and more ways to seek you corporately like this. Uh, we, We just really want to make this about you and not about a snappy Sunday service. Uh, We really want this to be you. And Lord, um, we just seek you. We pray that you fill us with the Holy Ghost. Fill us with the Holy Spirit. Let the anointing come and break every uh, chain in our lives. Let us see your power. Let us experience your healing. Let us be bold witnesses for you. Um, Let us do all the things that you said to accompany those who are spirit people. Uh, We love you. Uh, We praise you. And now to him who is able to keep us from falling, to present us before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.